Welcome to Legal News and Business Reviews, your podcast source for legal and business tips, tricks, and information. Welcome to episode three of Legal News and Business Reviews. If this is your first time listening to this broadcast, let me introduce myself. My name is Lori Myers. I'm a licensed attorney in California. I've spent the last 13 years practicing criminal defense in Southern California, and I've also been a licensed real estate agent for the last 25 years. Now for the disclaimer. At no time shall any legal advice given on this show be deemed to create an attorney-client relationship by myself or any guest speaker who's also an attorney on the show. Now that we have that out of the way, let me thank you for being here and giving me your time. I hope you find this podcast to be entertaining, enjoyable, and educational. If you find this broadcast to be valuable, I would greatly appreciate it if you subscribed or if you leave a comment or feedback at the Legal News and Business Reviews Facebook page. You can also rate or leave any comments on any of the broadcast platforms that you're currently listening to this broadcast on. Today is January 21st, 2018. And even though this broadcast is specifically geared to stay away from anything that has any strong political right-wing views or any strong political left-wing views, this broadcast is dedicated to talking about legal news and information. And without a doubt, there's some very big news going on that most people should know about. There is an official government shutdown going on. And you should really stay informed at how this might affect you personally. I'm going to go over the agencies that we know will and will not be affected. And then I'll move on to today's broadcast, which is actually about small claims court. So first, going over the agencies that we know, what we do know and don't know. The IRS. The IRS has approximately 80 plus thousand employees, and it's expected that approximately 45,000 of those employees will be told to stay home, just as the agency is preparing for the start of the tax filing season and dealing with the sweeping changes made by the new tax laws. Also, Health and Human Services Department, excuse me. Approximately half of the 80,000 employees will be told to stay home. Medicare, which insures approximately 59 million seniors and disabled people, will still be going. It will not be affected. Medicaid, which covers more than 74 million low-income and disabled people, will also keep going and is not expected to be affected. The states will also continue to receive payments for the Children's Health Insurance Program. However, long-term funding may run out soon. The CDC, the Centers for Disease Control, is expecting some serious problems in their ability to respond to this year's flu disease outbreaks. The Justice Department. 
There's nearly 115,000 Justice Department employees, and they have national security and public safety responsibilities that allow them to keep working. Just as Special Counsel Robert Mueller's team will also keep working. Approximately 95,000 employees are exempted from the shutdown, such as the FBI, the DEA, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms and Explosives, the U.S. Marshal Service, and the federal prison employees. It's expected criminal cases will continue, but civil cases may be postponed as long as doing so does not compromise public safety. There will be a list developed when the employees show up at the State Department on Monday, tomorrow, and there'll be a list of non-essential employees, and those people will be furloughed within the 300 embassies, consulates, and other diplomatic missions around the world. The Defense Department, the military will continue to fight wars and conduct missions, and members of the military will report to work, and they will get paid when Congress approves funding. General Mattis said in a department-wide memo that the ships and submarines will remain at sea. Aircraft will continue to fly, and warfighters will continue to pursue terrorists. Of the 17 intelligence agencies, staffing is expected to be pared down, and the ones told to still report for duty will not receive a paycheck until Congress approves funding. In the Homeland Security Department, 90% are considered essential and will continue to work during the shutdown. And that includes Custom and Border Protection and TSA workers, including Secret Service. The Interior Department. Public lands will remain as accessible as possible. War memorials, national parks, wildlife refuges, Public roads are expected to remain open in public parks, but services that require staffing, such as campgrounds, restrooms, and concessions will not be operating. Backcountry lands and culturally sensitive sites are likely to be restricted or closed. As of Saturday, January 20th, 2018, the National Park Service in New York did announce that the Statue of Liberty and Ellis Island would be closed during the shutdown. Refunds are being given for people who already pre-purchased tickets. The FAA air traffic controllers will remain on the job. Pipeline and railroad safety inspectors will remain on the job. National Highway Traffic Safety Administration investigations on auto safety defects will be suspended, and any incoming information on possible defects will not be reviewed. Compliance testing of vehicles and equipment will be delayed. Bottom line, this is something you should be checking out for yourself and calling whatever agency, if you're going somewhere that is in a government building or you need a government service, you should be contacting them to make sure that they're open. Even if they are open, I'm sure that each agency will be short-staffed. So please exhibit patience because this will surely slow down everyone 
everywhere in some way or another. Now let's move on to today's legal topic. This topic was actually requested almost as much as marijuana was, and that is small claims court. So let's go into it. Small claims court in California, you can sue for up to $10,000. I'm going to give you a brief overview of how you maneuver through the small claims court process. I also want to remind you, attorneys do not go in and represent people in small claims court. So the information that I'm going to give you today, you actually can discover this quite easily for yourself. I'm just going to give you a quick recap and point you in the right direction. The basics, you need to figure out which county small claims court is right for your court claims. If you file in the wrong court, the court can dismiss your case and you'll have to redo the entire process in the correct court. If the statute of limitations has ran, which is the time you have to file your case, you may also end up losing your case. One, file in the right court. In general, you must file where the defendant lives or does business. There are some exceptions, like when you're in a car accident, you must file in the county where the accident happened or where the defendant lives. In a breach of contract, you would file in the county where the contract was signed, you would file where the contract was broken, or where the contract was to be carried out. You can also file where the defendant lived or worked when you signed the contract. Additionally, for bought or paid services, you can file where the buyer lives or where the buyer lived when he or she made the purchase or where the item purchased is located. Credit card companies, you can file where you live, where you lived when you signed the contract for the credit card. Additionally, make sure you file in the right amount of time. You'd want to check your individual statute of limitations for whatever courthouse you're filing in. The general rule is within a year, 365 days, from the incident date. So whatever the breach of contract, the accident, the credit card claim, whatever the incident date is, that is the general rule. There is a small claims legal advisor generally in the self-help section where you can go on each court webpage. They have a small claims section. Actually, it's the most helpful section I have found on the court webpage. Since attorneys are not allowed to represent people in the small claims court, the court is actually very helpful in guiding people through the process. Uh, you need to be 18 years old and mentally competent. When you file it, once you figure out the jurisdiction, you figure out your claim, you need to make sure you have a demand letter and the self-help section actually has a fill-in-the-blank form that you answer some questions and it will generate a demand letter. You need, that is one of the requirements, is you need to have put the person on notice and demand that exact amount that you're then claiming in small claims court prior to you filing that claim. 
So you would need to give them the demand letter. And the reason why small claims court helps you draft that is because you give the demand letter, you then demand that amount of money uh, within five, 10 days. And when that person has not paid within that time, you then include that demand letter when you file the claim. And now the court already knows that how much you owe. They already know and have proof that you gave the other person notice and a period of time to pay and that they did not pay. And that that is why now you're in small claims court. So when you do serve, um, the other person with the demand letter, I definitely would suggest you send it certified mail. It's not really serving them. It's just putting them on notice of the demand. And I would definitely do that uh, certified mail so you had proof and signature that they received it. Now, um, you would then, once you file that claim, you would then get a court date within 20 to 70 days after you file your claim. You cannot send anyone else to court for you not even a lawyer, there are a few exceptions. And that is if you're in the military and you're on active duty. So if these exceptions apply to you, make sure you read up on those. If you are being sued by someone else, you must show up into court. If you do not show up into court, you can it can result in a judgment against you and you cannot send a lawyer on your behalf or some, someone else. You need to show up yourself. When you get to the hearing, there are two very important rules. One, it doesn't matter which party you are, these rules apply. One, be respectful to all parties, especially the judge. And two, be prepared. That means Bring your witnesses to court on that day. The court generally doesn't want to accept declarations. In fact, they can choose not to. However, if for some reason your witness is not available and your only option is to do a declaration, I do strongly suggest that you get the declaration notarized. You need to bring any photos, any bills, any receipts, any contracts, any and all relevant documents to, that support your side. When you get to court, sometimes there is a commissioner or a pro tem or a judge. Let's talk about those. Picture a pro tem judge as like a substitute teacher. So a pro tem judge means that they've been an attorney for at least 10 years and they substitute in on the bench. And then there's a commissioner. You can think of them as a teacher that just maybe doesn't have tenure. Commissioners can be on the bench every day, all day, all year for years. And then the judge means that the governor appointed them or they won the vote in an election. You are entitled to have a judge hear your case. So if you get to court for your trial in small claims court and you have a commissioner or a pro tem and you do not want the commissioner or pro tem, you want the judge you need to express that right away on that morning. You cannot start your case halfway through and then decide that you don't like that commissioner. And then that now you say you want to judge. 
you need to decide as soon as you get to court, do you want a judge or are you going to agree to whatever commissioner or pro temp court is on the bench that day? So you need to decide that right away. If you decide that you want a judge, you need to realize that it could result in a continuance because maybe they don't have a judge available right then. You also need to prepare, be prepared that if you ask for a judge, they just might have a judge in the very next courtroom. So don't come to court thinking you're just going to ask for a judge and you didn't have your witnesses come to court because you just assumed it was going to get continued. Don't make assumptions like that. That will hurt your case. So bring your witnesses on whatever court date you have. After the court hears your case, the judge will make a ruling. It's very possible the judge may make a ruling right then and there, or it's also very possible that the ju judge may say, I'm going to take the issue under submission, which means that you will get your ruling in the mail shortly thereafter, usually no more than a week. And that's a wrap of small claims court. Let's do a quick recap. The basics is you need to make sure you find out which county you should be filing your small claims action in. Then you want to make sure you're doing it within the right amount of time, which is the general rule within one year from the incident date. Uh, you need to be at least 18 years old, mentally competent, know that you're going to get a court date generally within 20 to 70 days from the date that you file the complaint. A lawyer cannot appear for you. You need to appear yourself. A lawyer cannot appear for the person that you're suing. They need to show up themselves. You need to make sure that you're extremely respectful to all parties, even the person that you're suing. And you definitely need to make sure that you're prepared and bring all your evidence and know that it's very possible you may not get a ruling that day. The court may take it under submission and mail you the verdict shortly thereafter. Moving on to our business review. I'm so excited about today's business review. Kind of just like the last episode, if you have already tried this product, then you already know what I'm talking about. And if you haven't tried this product, I am so excited for you to try it. And if you're a vegan, then you probably don't care about this business review at all. I'm being completely so honest with you, you might want to just keep moving forward. But the business review I have, I also have a special deal for you that will be on the Legal News and Business Reviews Facebook page, which is public. And there'll be a link on there for you to get free bacon, 12 ounces every month, and free shipping of the best bacon you've ever tried because this week's business review is Butcher Box. It is a thoughtfully sourced meat delivered to your door, humanely raised, no antibiotics, no hormones ever, 100% grass-fed. You get to pick a custom box. You can pick which uh, free-range organic chicken you want, pork, which beef if you want, filet mignon, top sirloin, ribeye. And 
you get to pick if you want some of the best bacon you've ever tasted ever. <laughs> you receive your box in an insulated package and I'm telling you it is, I really had no idea there was such a difference in meats if you make sure you're getting such high quality pro animal product. And I'm telling you, this product stands out. Again, if you want to visit the Legal News and Business Reviews Facebook page, there is a link and full disclaimer on that. It is an affiliate link. And if you click on that, there is that offer gives you free 12 ounces of free bacon every single month and free shipping as long as you're a new customer. If you're currently already a ButcherBox customer, that link will not help you. Sorry. All right, that's it for this week's broadcast. Wishing everyone a very blessed week, and I'll talk to you later.